It takes a certain kind of person to push themselves to the absolute limit. But for some people, this is what motivates them and is part of their everyday life. Today, I'm talking to Tom Dilru, a Portsmouth graduate who has pushed himself both mentally and physically to train and complete marathons in a number of countries, including Rome, Sydney, Rio, Toronto, Singapore and Cape Town. Tom is experienced in pushing his body to the limit and is here to talk to us about what motivates him to take on such challenges, how he embraces each challenge and how he overcomes weaknesses and self-doubt. Advice that can be applied both personally and professionally. Thank you so much for joining us today, Tom. I'm actually dying to find out where this passion for running came from. But first, I want to talk to you about your professional journey since graduating in 2014. What did you study at the University of Portsmouth and why did you choose that degree? So uh, for my undergraduate degree, I chose to study European studies. Um, I came off the back of two gap years and I got home for Christmas that year. And I think the deadline for registering for uni, the late deadline, was in January. So I signed up and applied uh, for European studies because I wasn't too clear on what I wanted to do as a career. So... I had a look and I picked quite a generic degree that had multi facets to it. Yeah, so European studies was perfect for me because it had a bit of the social, economic, history as well. So it was all mixed in, uh, as well as the area studies. So I had the idea that I'd quite like to be an MEP when I went into uni. So at the moment, it's either I've dodged a bullet or it's the other way. It's more prevalent than it's ever been. So... I yeah. don't know whether that's a right or wrong story, but um, well, reading your story, you seem to be in like a really good place at the moment. So yeah, no, no regrets almost. Yeah. yeah. Um, so after that, um, I went on to study my MA at Portsmouth as well. So I did the masters. I did a masters in history of war, culture, and society, and that followed on from my undergraduate dissertation. So I looked at how war impacted the geography, physical geography of Portsmouth. And I followed that on. My um, lecturer and dissertation supervisor recommended me for the course. And it also, I've always been interested in World War II history. And um, when I was 16, I helped my granddad word process his war memoirs. Wow. So he had his ideas and collated all his information. And I'd gone the first 16 years of my life and he'd never mentioned it to me nor any other relatives and then he just took me into his bedroom one day and said hey look at all this and just took out all these war pictures so old photography on his camera from when he was going around India and Pakistan and Burma as well and then he just had this all drafted out on paper what he did and I went through and I helped him word process it and then for his 95th birthday my cousin actually got that document that we collated and got it published so on his 95th birthday we gave him this little no book way. of his war memoirs yeah now is this a book available to everyone to read or is uh, it just, sort just, of a just for family one? circulation so um I've, I've only told a few um work colleagues really and they've asked to see it and i've brought it in and they've read it in a day and handed it back so it was nice in that regard but it's quite personal to us and it's yeah. not for the fame <laughs> so i bet your love of history long continues after that because it's such a personal memory yeah so definitely and often i'll read and my book go-to book will be a world war Two book or anything like that before that growing up it is really roman and greek 
ancient history for me so I loved myths legends all of that and it kind of developed into yeah. the whole love of the legend of marathon really and that's where my running stemmed from so. so okay so you talk about running has that always been a love of yours since you were young or did you start taking that up in your gap years that you mentioned I, I was trying to put my finger on it and um, I don't think there was any definitive point where it stemmed from because I think growing up I was quite like most boys growing up in England where the whole focus was football and the whole yeah. what you watched on TV, what your friends doing, what you did on the playground and then what you did on Sunday. So it was religiously that and I represented Norwich Academy when I was growing up for a few games, their football in the community programme as well. So I was really involved in that and I think my earliest memory from running was perhaps in middle school and before each PE lesson we, we had a playing field and it was shared with the middle, the middle school along with the high school and first school and the first school and middle school their borders went up to this line of trees and our PE teacher used to just send us out run to one end of the trees and then we had to weave in between each trees and then get back and I used to always remember like <laughs> I, was, I was near the front or first like most times so oh hang on I'm quite quite good at this so uh, from that my PE teacher just asked me if I wanted to go and do cross-country running and the same thing, just running out at local schools in like the fields and some, some schools were quite lucky and had woods nearby and it was just so much fun. And then these um, kids that I played football with at the weekend that went to other schools, we ended up all kind of getting into cross country as well and then meeting at these cross country races. So it was almost <laughs> like every now and then you'd meet up with each other and run the same pace at this cross country thing and then it was a bit like socialising when you were a kid, so it was great. And then... Um, didn't, didn't really do much into high school. I don't know if we had cross-country then or not. I don't think it was at high school. I think we stopped right. it. But um, I remember we had these athletics things that went into county and one of the distances was 5,000 metres and no one else wanted to do it. So my PE teacher just picked me and was like, you're the only, <laughs> you're the only kid I think can run 5,000 metres so you go and do it. So I think I did, did the district run and then went to county, I think, and it was yeah, it was quite fun, but... The I never, never really, yeah, never really took it that serious. And then uh, I finished um, A levels, and throughout that, it was I turned eighteen, and so did my friends. And it just stemmed that they'd come to my house, and then we needed to justify doing something productive before going to drink. So we ended up running from my house a couple of miles, and then going to the pub. So we'd literally <laughs> meet in my house, run to the pub, have two or three pints, and then we'd run back. And I think the way there was a lot easier than the way back, but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. gave you incentive to get yeah, there at least. Exactly. Um, so we mentioned earlier that you went on two gap years before embarking on your journey at University of Portsmouth. What did you get up to in those gap years? So I, fin I finished sixth form and I really was just at a loss with studying. So I'd completely lost the focus and had no drive to do any more exams and I felt a bit burnt out. So I went over to Kenya as a voluntary charity worker and spent two months there in Kasumu in western Kenya and I helped with a charity called To Kenya With Love uh, right. which I've raised some money for with my marathon subsequently but they're a very small charity based in Dis so quite close to where I grew up in Norfolk, Norwich so I went over to there with them and helped them paint two classrooms and it was just brilliant. So I took a bag of footballs over and just played with the kids while I was break, on break from uh, painting. And oh, it was just a brilliant time. And then after that, because I was in Africa, I, the plan was to meet up with my 
dad and sister and we went over to Egypt afterwards, uh, learnt, learnt to scuba dive. So I got my paddy qualifications there and had a great time. And then I got back home and it was miserable, dark winter in England. And I ended up speaking to my dad about where to go next. And he spoke about his Australian cousin who lives in Sydney. So we reached out to him. I ended up thinking, OK, I'll, I'll go meet these people and then I'll travel the east coast of Australia like most people. Go, go in the hostels, backpack it. And I landed over there and I'm living a stone's throw away from Manly Beach in this flat and it's oh, me wow. and my two cousins on the top floor and my dad's cousin, their dad, on the bottom floor with his girlfriend. So we've got rule of the roost on the top floor <laughs> and absolutely loving life. And one of my cousins is my age, so we'd both managed to get jobs and we were working nine to five and then we'd go out in the evening. Um, one of the perks for me was I was paid cash in hand, so I'd get it in my hand and then I'd go out, spend it in the pubs and then... <laughs> wake up and then go back to work and it was really good like lo loved it for about eight months yeah and then I came back for Christmas and again that's where it fell into what do I do next and I decided to come to Union Portsmouth so oh you got the personal statement in and <laughs> bash bosh, there you were <laughs> that sounds amazing since graduating from the University of Portsmouth what journey did you take did you jump straight on the career ladder or was it a slow burner for you? Um, I graduated in 2014, I think in November, and I went back home and because of the two gap years and then going straight into four years of uni, I spent some time back home with the family and just really spent some good quality time with them. I was running back in the countryside in Norwich and really enjoying it, and which was quite a stress-free way to do the job hunt. So I was throwing the CVs out there and I managed to join BPP, which are a training company. So they deliver training programs for companies, uh, predominantly in accountancy. But I joined and went on the financial services side. So I ended up coordinating the graduate schemes okay. for the big global banks. So I had this strange situation where I was just out of uni and I was looking after people that had just graduated yeah. <laughs> and start their career. So it's quite odd. It was like, what do you do? So... I kind of looked at what they were studying and where they were going and how their career path was. And I thought, well, I don't mind that. So I had one of my perks at that company was that I could do a training program and they'd support me through that. Um, so I chose the IMC, the investment management qualification. Right. And I just studied that, passed that whilst working there. And then I ended up getting my job at my current employer, Sigma Investment Management. So... I joined them in the same capacity in client services and I've worked my way up through further exams and I'm now an investment associate. Okay, so it's almost like that first step into graduate recruitment then took your journey on a whole different path from the sort of history and MEP yeah. route that you were talking about earlier. What do you enjoy most about the role that you're in now? I've always been quite people-focused, and I'm a bit of a people person, so for me, client services was a perfect role, because I had all this contact with... I was the face of the programmes, really, so if anyone had any queries at any point of the journey, they'd come to me, and I'd have my finger on the pulse of what's going on through the whole process, so I just liked being that go-to point of contact and aware of the whole process. So with, with my role at Sigma, it's been the same 
kind of role. I we have our private clients, and I know where each one is at on their journey and what uh, wealth management they require. So it's that personal relationship management that you get on the day-to-day basis that I love and it's helping people out with their problems whether it's divorce, death, um, children going through university, weddings, anything like that and just helping our investment managers deliver a great service to their clients and I think that's what sets aside the private wealth management space from this new app-focused investing that seems to be quite prominent at the moment. You sound so passionate about your job and reading about all the other things you do alongside that, I don't know how you fit it all in. So running isn't just a hobby, it seems for you. It's almost, it's a way of raising money for charity and all sorts. So you started talking about how you got into it sort of when you did that 5,000 metres and you got pushed into it by your um, teacher and whatnot. When do you start running marathons? Like, that's quite a jump. Uh, For me, like I said, when I was growing up, I was really fascinated with ancient Greece, ancient Rome, so the myths, legends, the stories there. Like, as a kid, it's just, like, mind-blowing that these things happened way before your time and we're still talking about it. How amazing is that? So I was really interested in the legend of Marathon, which naturally is the 26.2 mile race and I always said to myself as a kid I would run one when I'm 26 and when you're a kid that seems ages away but when you turn 26 you're like (laughs) oh this is real now so I I spoke to my dad my my dad had ran a few marathons and I think his inspiration was from his best friend who was a quite a good marathon runner and trained some pro athletes as well so that's where it kind of knock-on effect comes to me, even though I wouldn't directly quote it. But um, right, I I did that, and I spoke to my dad, and he recommended the Rome Marathon as my first. So I went over to there, and that was my first one. And I think it's a bit disjointed with ancient Greece, but it has that same feel about it. So, and it's exciting to do it away from home as well. It's another bit of a travelling adventure for you. Now, I hear something about you wanting to run marathons on every continent. Is that correct? Yeah. So after Rome, which ended quite disappointingly, but still it was an achievement, I felt I had to go back out there and run another marathon. Previously, I thought it would just be one and done, but it wasn't (laughs) So It sparked something. Yeah. So it kind of went full circle and just seemed like the doors were opening up in front of me and this had to happen. It was the same cousin that I went over to live with in Australia and the one that was living downstairs with a girlfriend they were getting married Okay. so we got the invitation through to their wedding and we thought yeah we definitely have to go they looked after me when I was in Australia we'll go and we had a look at the calendar and the Sydney marathon was actually at the end of September and their wedding was at the start of October so we thought this just has to be it's it's meant to be so we we booked it all yeah (laughs) very and um, we did that and it actually fell between the two jobs. So I had the job offer from Sigma as well. So I told them about, I've got pre-commitment, I'm going to Australia and I managed to get a month off in between jobs. So it fitted perfectly and it was just the perfect trip. And flew over, did the marathon, 
went up to Queensland and did some more travel. So I uh, offset some of the guilt I had from not traveling further <laughs> up the East Coast, but then came back to Sydney afterwards, well, a bit recovered from the marathon and went to the wedding and it was just beautiful. It was on Curl Beach and couldn't have asked for more, like better ending to the journey really. Oh wow, a gorgeous wedding and the itch for more marathons. How do you fit training in for all these alongside your job and everything else that you like to do? So it's, I'm one of these people where I tend to just do things. I don't think too much about them. And from that kind of becomes this self-perpetuating efficiency. So it's hard to explain, but um, you end up just doing everything that your mind comes about. So um, I wake up straight away. It's what am I doing next? What am I doing next? And it fits into both jobs I've had since uni and it's perfect. So it, it just gives me this strength really so when a client query comes in I can deal with it and then go straight what am I doing now go to the next one Um, so with regards to marathon training I'll get up do some exercise go to work go to the gym at half 11 come back work in the afternoon again straight from work home have a bit of food and then go straight back out and training again and it's quite full on for a lot of people and they can't get their head around but when it's just the way you are you're just used to it and I think I just hate sitting still. So for me, I've constantly got to be doing something and there's always got to be something next. So so you said you train two times a day sometimes. There must be something that you love about running. What is it that you most enjoy? Um, for me, it just gives me that headspace, really. And in that, I can work and untangle anything in my mind that's clouded and it just becomes clear when you start running it I, I don't know what the science behind it is but everything just becomes unlocked and you feel a bit free and I think the stresses and problems you have in life just go to the back of your mind and I think it's a bit like going to sleep so if you go to sleep with a clouded mind and you wake up fresh and you're just focused it's similar to that when you go out for a run okay. and you just kind of discover what you want to do when you get back and I think it's just a great thing. And I suppose physically as well, it keeps you healthy and fit, so it has its perks yeah, in, definitely. in many ways. And you can eat more tasty food. So. Yeah, very true. You can treat yourself afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> and what have been the challenges? Because I'm sure that distance multiple times, has that had a physical or emotional impact at all? Um, I'm, I'm not too sure, really. I think... The main challenges of my marathon challenge has just been the different uh, climates. Right. So, yeah, the different climates, the jet lag as well, and the time zones as well. So it's tough. And I can imagine that would be even crazier with the thought of going to Antarctica for that marathon. And now you want to raise money to go and do this marathon. What drives you to do it in that sort of climate? (laughs) I think just finishing that challenge, it's the final milestone. It's been three years in the making and I've just set my goal on it and it almost becomes an obsession really and it kind of helps you justify the first six, if that sounds yeah. <laughs> that sounds um, correct. You're filling all the, ticking all the boxes and Yeah, it's it. just the next piece of the puzzle. That is amazing, honestly. I've... And always been inspired by runners and that's crazy to do it in Antarctica so crazy but good crazy 
if that's the thing. <laughs> I think, yeah, challenging yourself, definitely. E- each one has just given that different angle, that different obstacle to overcome, whether it's humidity, direct heat. In Antarctica, it's, it could be, it's the windiest place on Earth, so it could be 200-mile-hour winds, minus 20 degrees, and it's going to be snow and ice underneath, so it's going to be like trying to run on the beach but for 26.2 miles (laughs) well i cannot wait until you actually do it because i'd love to keep up with your journey and i'm sure after listening to this everyone else will as well what can you give tips wise to people who want to get into running if they've never run before and can't even bear the thought of walking perhaps i think with everything in life you've just got to break it down into small achievable chunks so i take that from every angle of my life whether it's work or it's running it's just that mental strength to be able to assess what challenges in front of you and then break it down into little achievable tasks and for each person that is going to be different but it's the same process so for me when i run a marathon i've got that mental vision of where i am where i need to go and it just constantly goes along like a sliding scale as you progress through it and it's it's almost like a percentage complete bar it's like that you just go through you know how many you've done how your body feels and how much longer you've got to go for and when i started i was nowhere near where i am now and i was just breaking it down where I'd go and run two miles and I'd just do that with my friends and we'd go to the pub and from there it's just developed and you do 10% more the next time you go out and you can do it to match whatever goal you've got so you can go out, you can go out 10% quicker you can work 10% harder, you can go up a steeper hill and it all just builds up and accumulates and you'll get the reward back so I think each person's got their own race to run and you shouldn't race other people so you've just got to be modest be humble and just listen to your body and take it from there and the results will come and it's definitely that baby steps mindset that is i think is really important yeah thank you for your advice it sounds like you're so you're so inspirational with everything that you've done and your job you seem so passionate about what's next for you in your career can you see it changing anytime soon or are you enjoying it how it is I think it's just been a natural progression with my career really there's been that career path at Sigma since I joined and I came in a client service capacity I've now become an investment associate through doing further exams and then there's even more exams that I'm studying for at the moment Um, I'm studying chartered wealth manager qualification and after that I'll look to become an investment manager and look after my own clients and That's just a development of learning through servicing the investment managers, clients that I work for at the moment. And it's a real team mentality. And I've always just approached every job that I work at, just what's best for the customer or the client. And that's what drives me to deliver the level of service that I do. And that's what will continue to drive me when I get to that level. So, Well, your exams, good luck with them. And... Also, good luck with the Antarctica Marathon. Is there anything more you want to say about that? Is there any way that we can get involved with the sponsorship? How can people find out more about your journey? So I've financed each of these marathons and the travels associated with them to date. So that's six marathons all over the globe. And for the final marathon, I just need that helping hand. So I've been lucky enough to get the sponsorship from friends, family and work as well. 
and I set up a GoFundMe page and I'm currently at £7,000 of the 14500 that's required Congrats. for the race entry. Yeah, and it's brilliant. I can't say thank you enough to everyone that's donated. And what that £7,000 now lets me do is register my place. I can pay the first instalment of the free payments and that confirms my place in the 2020 marathon. Oh, so, wow, so it's real. Yeah, now it's just all real. And from... When I started, finished in Cape Town, I thought, how on earth am I going to raise these funds to race and finish this challenge? And it's now grown to a point where it starts to become achievable. And I've, I've got that page up and people can donate and follow and pass on the best wishes. And it just gets me one step closer to that goal. Wow. So it's in the diary and it's just that final milestone, really. Of yeah. The last few pounds and then you're there yeah it's brilliant That's so crazy. the corporate sponsors the friends and family they're priceless and the last piece of that jigsaw is corporate sponsorship so brands that want to help me get there and that can be for a combination of products that will help me train things that will help me fuel my body as well and then also the race day itself so that could be an official kit sponsor official shoe sponsor and it's all just going to come together brilliantly and help me get to that start line get that done and complete the challenge and that's what it's all been about the last few years have you got any of those sort of corporate sponsorships yet is there any in the pipeline i've got a corporate sponsor to put their logo on my race hat and that's the prime position and that's that's the first to go naturally so the rest i'm looking for race race clothing so that could be my outerwear and then also my footwear as well and I will have a few race sponsors I hope by the time I hit that starting line but I don't want to look like a Formula One driver so I don't want to <laughs> I'd, I'd like a long-term partnership to support me through this and then also my other race calendar events. Okay so you're going to Antarctica it's all real are you taking anyone with you or are you going at it alone because I suppose being in Antarctica and having the dread of running 26.2 miles <laughs> that could be quite lonely sometimes or it's, it's definitely one of the most isolated places in the world and it's the one continent that no one lives permanently so it's just that cost involved in the logistics so I have to get my way to Chile first to then fly over to Antarctica so I think in an ideal world I'll have some friends and family come to Chile maybe right and I'll have to do the journey to Antarctica by myself but 50 runners do it each year so I'll have the company of those and I hope we can all come together and share our stories and in doing so motivate each other to get it done yeah, I bet it'll be it'll be a laugh no matter what because I'm sure you're all hardened runners who are taking on that challenge. <laughs> yeah. So just recently, the London Marathon took place. Were you involved with that, considering you work in London? Um, I always support. When, I, when I've been in London, we always support. We had three of our club runners actually take it on. So Ben, Josh and Lauren, they all took it on. Ben and Josh ran their first sub four our marathon wow. and Lauren beat her PB by about 20 minutes I think so it's yeah great day great for them absolutely chuffed to bits yeah and then a new member of our club who's looking to join Siobhan she moved into my flat and I helped her move in carried her bike upstairs and just said you seem quite active how about joining the running club she joined she's ran now this I think is the third time she's done London and it's the third and final wow 
and she got it done. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing from just saying, oh, you seem quite active, give it a go, and then she's running marathons. That's really amazing. <laughs> now, what running club are you part of? So I moved to Richmond in February last year, and my girlfriend, she ran for a running club before we moved to the area. Um, I'd always been one of these people that just went out the door and ran, and I always thought, that's how it's going to be. It's the easiest way. It makes sense. the most time-efficient way to do it. But she, she encouraged me to join a club, and we thought about joining one in the local area, but we all thought the impression was they're quite clicky, quite serious as well. and we just thought. Yeah, let's let's start our own. Let's make it all inclusive. Have no pressure on ability, and it's just grown. And we've been so impressed at how it's grown. It's been about nine, twelve months that we've been going, and it's wow. just the right amount of people to join. And it was just a great way to make friends. And we thought when we moved to a new area, what is the natural way to make friends in London? Everyone's caught up in their own lives, and you can't really talk to one another. So we just did this, and we've made. I'm sure lifelong friends already. So what's the name of your new formed club? It's Richmond Running Club and we've been going almost a year and a lot of people will see us now, red and gold vests running around Richmond Park, so keep an eye out and will say we, hi. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and the red and gold that you mentioned, is that going to be sported in part of your marathon attire? I would love to wear it in the Antarctic Marathon. I hope I can. I'll, I'll try my best to wear it, but we'll see. It's kind <laughs> of hard to get, yeah, to get the sponsors on there, yeah. Oh, amazing. So Antarctica seems like you can't really top it. Doing a marathon there is like a bucket list scenario. How are you going to progress from there? Any plans? I've always just thought that, like, what's next? Is there going to be a next thing? And it's kind of a choice between more marathons and this year I'm signed up to triathlons so I've got a half Ironman in 10 days time in wow. Provence in France so that's 1.2 mile swim a 56 mile bike and then a half marathon at the end oh, only half though yeah <laughs> and then I've got a full Ironman in Copenhagen in August so that's double the distances of that half so Provence is really a training <laughs> for that. <laughs> Just a warm-up. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually got into the ballot for London Marathon this year, but I've had to defer it to 2020 because of those triathlons. And I also got through the ballot into Berlin in September. So there's a nice little cool-down from that Ironman. I'll go to Berlin <laughs> with my girlfriend and my mum and we'll run the marathon there. So. It's lovely that you get to do it abroad as well. So you're seeing new places as well as completing something memorable. So definitely and it helps make the most of the annual leave so you when you're at work you've got this grueling training program and then you front load your annual leave where you go and do this race this marathon or triathlon and then you have a little holiday afterwards <laughs> where you don't feel so guilty about eating and drinking everything in sight so really taking the celebrations I'd, to town i'd recommend it <laughs> the thought of running five miles let alone 26.2 makes me want to give up just thinking about it what do you do if you have that sudden sinking feeling that you want to give up and quit so unfortunately for me in my first marathon in Rome I trained really well I was full of adrenaline for the race I ran to the 20 the first 20 miles without really thinking I conquered the hill at the 17th mile got back down and I was really enjoying it I had 10k to go and the final six miles are all through the city, so all the great sights. And just as I came back into the city, I felt my thigh just tear. And oh it went goodness. red hot, 
and filled up and I couldn't bend my knee and I my leg just went red hot I went to take another stride and just almost collapsed and a really sweet Italian woman who was marshalling came over gave me a hug and in broken English said you just can't carry on and I just thought no way this isn't how my first marathon's ending so I just told her thank you and just carried on you persevered I walked a lot of it but I managed to get to the finish line and it was just over four hours and I think that's definitely a lesson in perseverance and just being doggedly determined to see something through and the next real only other point in this marathon journey where I've thought of giving up was in Rio and it started early we saw the sunrise it was beautiful we ran along the coast towards Rio and the problem is that when we started it was about 23 degrees and when we got to about the half marathon mark it was nearly 37 degrees oh my goodness (laughs) what time of day was it um so we started around 8 a.m and by the time i was around that mark it was probably half 10 and there was no shade cover and i was taking on so much fluid i felt bloated and couldn't take any more and i still just felt dehydrated and your body just goes into shutdown you're european you're in this foreign country you're not used to plus 25 degrees let alone 37 and all the locals aren't interested in the marathon running they want to get to the beach so you know you've got the wrong end of the bargain here so I started becoming a bit delirious and I started hearing things and I was running the race with my mum but I know that she's quite slower than me and started in a further back corral and I kept hearing her voice and I just thought no way is that her no way is that her and I just knew I wasn't right and I carried on for another couple of miles and then I actually saw her run past me and I thought, right, I'm in trouble here, I need some help. So I managed to catch up with her after yelling like several times, she managed to get her attention and she just checked me over and was like, I was in a bad way, but I was aware that I was in a bad way and yeah. that was enough for her to help me just see it out and we just broke it down the last remaining distance and I would run for as far as I could run, stop, take on more fluids and then we'd run again and it was scary I thought like quitting I felt health reasons I should probably stop but seeing other people locals struggling and they're more acclimatised to running I knew I wasn't the only one and I knew I wasn't the worst off out of everyone so I knew that I'm in this privileged position where I'm running and a lot of people can't run so I kind of in my mind know I have to see this through and we got to the end and that was the proudest out of all the marathons it was such a struggle and, and just a great achievement I think that is crazy being away from home under that sort of physical and emotional pressure I bet you were so grateful to have your mum to help you through that last bit she's a hero and towards the end we had Sugarloaf Mountain the Brazilian landmark in Rio just gone through the harbour and we get through get to the finish line hold hands and cross together and it was almost cinematic it was the only race to the ground yeah exactly and I think I had to down a couple of bottles of water till I started feeling right again. And that's the most I've been drained after a race, for sure. But it just goes to show that no matter how low you could feel, if you really have that motivation and enjoyment for it, you can yeah. complete it. And that's all we have time for today. But thank you so much, Tom, for joining us. It really has been great to talk to you and really inspiring. It makes me want to run. Thank you. Do those baby steps that you mentioned. Yeah, definitely do. (laughs) Thank you very much.
Thank you to Tom for his inspiring story. We hope this podcast has helped motivate you to take on that challenge, whether at work or for pleasure, that is just a little outside your comfort zone. Or perhaps his story has simply inspired you to put on your running shoes and go for a jog. Whatever your reason for joining us, we hope you've enjoyed Tom's account of personal success today. We've got lots more exciting podcasts coming up in the series and you can hear each one as it's released on the first Wednesday of every month. If you like the University of Portsmouth Alumni Facebook page, you'll get a reminder of these when they're coming up. In our next podcast of the series, we hear from entrepreneur in residence, Heather Barry, who tells us how she found her passion after searching and trying many different pursuits. She has such an interesting and funny story to tell. This is definitely one you won't want to miss. Thank you for listening and make sure you're subscribed so that you can hear our next podcast.